Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Williams, joined by my mother's three favorite people, me, myself, and I. I'm coming to you on a Thursday ahead of an electric Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert matchup. Hope you all got your fantasy lineup set and you're able to enjoy that game. By the time you hear this, that game will be over. I plugged Joshua Palmer, Chargers receiver, who's going to see an increased workload in absence of Keenan Allen into the majority of my lineups. I'm, I play in too many leagues. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but I'm addicted to fantasy drafts. I hate the season, but the drafts are fun. So here we are. Game should be electric. Patrick Mahomes can't be stopped in September. We'll see if I'm wrong in the morning. Blinders. Anyway, we got to talk about a game coming up. Of course, that's week two Panthers at New York Giants. The New York Giants coming off a thrilling 21 to 20 victory in Tennessee that took a two point conversion late in the fourth quarter and a missed field goal by the Titans at the end of regulation to secure head coach Brian Dayball his first victory as a Giants head coach. The first time the Giants have had a winning record since 2016. I heard that stat today. And it seems like New York's riding high. Meanwhile, if you're listening, and I'm assuming you're a Panthers fan, your Carolina Panthers are 0-1. It took a legendary all-time kick from Cleveland Browns rookie Zade York from 58 yards out to beat the Panthers last Sunday in their both regular season and home opener. Fun fact, depending on who you are, or just a fact, legendary Browns kicker Phil Dawson kicked about 12, 13 years in the league. He's a legend in Cleveland, largely because they didn't have any quarterbacks to cheer for, but, I mean, he is a, he's a Hall of Fame kicker. His career long, Phil Dawson's career long, 57 yards. It took history to beat Carolina. I hope that makes everyone feel all right. But we got a lot to talk about. How I want to package this preview podcast and maybe the preview podcast going forward is very simple. I'm going to lay out my keys to victory. But before that, I want to clearly identify what is on the line. So this is the part of the podcast where I'd throw it to a sponsor or have a cool drop that would go like, what's on the line? Featuring L. Will. All right, that was my drop. Um, what's on the line? It's pretty simple. An 0-2 start is at stake. And next week I might change the segment to what's at stake. I like what's at stake more than what's on the line. Uh, but either way, 0-2 is a scary reality for this Carolina Panthers team. And I don't say that because I'm not going to throw out like, Stats about how nobody who starts 0-2 makes the playoffs or like only 36% of teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. I don't have that data in front of me. I don't have a stats team that helps me out with any of this. I'm just going to tell you the obvious because all it takes is searching their schedule to figure this out. If the Panthers go down 0-2 to start the regular season, their next four games are home versus New Orleans, who has a very good shot of going, moving to 2-0 this weekend, facing Tom Brady 
and his banged-up wide receiver core. Tom Brady has never beat the Saints in his two years there. He is 0-4 against the Saints. So you potentially are facing a 2-0 New Orleans team next week. Then you get Arizona and Kyler Murray. Anyone who's heard me so far knows I'm fading the heck out of the Cardinals this year. I'm out on Kyler Murray until he turns 30. It's kind of a joke, but I just don't think the young man watches enough tape and has progressed enough as a cerebral quarterback worthy of uh, the talents that he naturally possesses to garner my respect. And I'm just a, I'm just a little beat writer. So it's not like he cares about my respect. All I'm saying is I don't think he has what it takes and takes this profession seriously enough to garner what I would call somebody who deserves the keys to the kingdom, which is, you know, the most expensive piece of property in sports. It's an NFL team, right? So Long, that's a long way of saying I'm fading the Cardinals, but there's no guarantee you're beating Kyler Murray. I mean, he's Kyler Murray. I, that's the point. That's why I'm so disappointed in Kyler because he could be so much better because he's a freak. He's my size, 5'9", not even close to 200 pounds, and he does anything he wants to on a football field. Young man's nuts. Point is I'm fading them. Still no DeAndre Hopkins. They got whooped by the Chiefs. That was embarrassing. But the past two times Kyler Murray has played a – important football game playoffs last year and then week one he's gotten embarrassed and ran off the field but whatever pay the man I guess I gotta calm down but uh it's a cocky um no easy task there no guarantees you're containing Kyler Murray all right third game San Francisco maybe the Niners just aren't good maybe Trey Lance isn't good you know that young man hasn't played much real football just because of his circumstances pandemic NDSU kid one game that pandemic season sits all last year and now the Niners offense is in flux. That defense is real. That roster is stacked. I don't know. We don't know enough about the Niners, but I do know this, that four game run ends with a trip to Los Angeles to face the defending Super Bowl champion Rams who, you know, whatever happened on the opening game of the season versus the bills, they're, they're going to be a really good football team. And we'll know that uh, this upcoming week. So what I'm trying to tell you all is 0-2 is scary because you've got four games that are all going to cause you problems. Every game in this league causes you problems. But, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, you look at the rosters, you look at possible momentum, and 0-2 is scary. So what's on the line or what's at stake? An 0-2 reality with four challenging games to go. We shall see. Let's hop into how I want to set these games up. And I'm literally just going to give you the keys to victory each week. The keys to victory. I'm DJ Khaled out here with it. I got the keys, the keys, the keys, the keys. We're going to run through about five or six keys to victory. And I'm not going to waste no time because I got football to watch tonight. I've been at the Panthers facility since 11 a.m. These days get long, but it's that time of year. I love doing it. And I hope you all enjoy listening. Key to victory number one. All I got written down is Saquon Barkley. How are you going to stop Saquon? How are you going to contain Saquon Barkley? I wrote about it today. Check it out either now or in the morning. Uh, whenever you're getting this, you can't get it now because I'm recording it. But it is up. Saquon, 18 carries, 194 total yards, uh, six catches on seven targets, 30 yards. Had a a career-long 67-yard run against the Tennessee Titans last week. Scored the go-ahead two-point conversion by making, like, three people miss, including multiple Titans defenders in the backfield. 
he just looks back, you guys. He just looks back. He, he's cold, man. He is a fusion of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The Giants run some similar concepts that Cleveland does. We're gonna, you're gonna see pin pull, which is when the center lead blocks. You're gonna see power runs, which is when the guard lead blocks. These are oversimplifications, but you understand. I hope. Um, but Phil Snow, Panthers defensive coordinator, detailed their run game appropriately today saying that they do a great job at making sure Saquon's shoulders stay parallel to the line of scrimmage, meaning he, he's not going east and west no more. He's not dancing. He's getting downhill north and south and running with the intent to score, running mean, running hard. Saquon's a scary dude. Talking to players in the Panthers locker room this week, you can just hear the, the automatic respect they have for Saquon understanding Brian Burns today saying that it's going to take all 11 guys to tackle him. And I know that's a cliche, but they are trying to bring it to fruition. Uh, Brian shared with us that the defensive line and the linebackers are meeting as a group about the run game so that everybody's on the same page. He said that this is something they did a year ago, but not until later in the season. And that Shaq Thompson hit up Brian about doing group meetings again so that they can get on the same page as soon as possible. Makes a lot of sense, sounds great in theory. We'll see if that executes because there's a lot of pressure on these linebackers to clean up all their mistakes from week one. Wasn't pretty game for Damian Wilson. Uh, Frankie Lubu was out there a lot, but struggled. Shaq Thompson looked tired. Now the defense did play 81 snaps, penalty snaps included. The average NFL game lasts about 67 snaps. The Panthers offense only ran about 50 plays, 53 plays. So you can see the discrepancy there. Those three and outs don't help the defense at all. Uh, I think the Panthers offense will control the ball more and, and be able to sustain drives right away, meaning the Panthers defense, just by positive regression, should face a more normal game script, and that should help them just in the run lanes and, and not being as fatigued as the game goes on. But I mean, all it takes is being off by one, one lane and Saquon could pop one on you. So this is going to be a really challenging task for the Panthers linebackers specifically. Again, uh, Frankie Lubu leading the Panthers linebackers in snaps followed by Shaq Thompson, Damian Wilson rolled in for 31 reps They've got options, but they got to perform. Of course, that starts up front. Derek Brown, Matt Ioannidis hasn't been wasn't a great opening, you know, week one for them either. But this all starts and ends with Saquon. If Saquon's getting what he wants on first and second down, or those third and fours, even it's going to be a long game for Carolina. Key to victory number two is Daniel Jones' athleticism. Now, I think coordinators are nice to Daniel when they describe him that way. Like, he is athletic, obviously, but, you know, they don't really talk about him as a thrower and for good reason. The first thing Phil Snow brought up today, actually, was Daniel Jones' one-handed catch against the Carolina Panthers last year in that 25-3 to defeat in the Meadowlands, where he also had two critical third-down conversions on quarterback runs. So it's funny that, you know, <laughs> Phil brought up 
Daniel as a receiver and a runner before mentioning how he can throw. He really didn't talk about throwing the ball at all, which I understand him is, is what it is. But Daniel has a chance to hurt this team in those third and medium, third and long, God forbid, situations. You know, they can't lose track of him. I talked to Damian Wilson about um, what having to account for the quarterback does to the math in the run game, and I'm not going to get into all that aside from the layman term layout that you need to be prepared and take the threat of him running those read options seriously because they will call it. He's had six runs on week one. He had five runs against the Panthers last year. He's going to run when, when Brian Dayball calls his number. You know, Brian Dayball, very familiar with athletic quarterbacks coming from Buffalo and working with Josh Allen. So that's going to be a test where Daniel can't beat them is third and 11, everything looks good. And then he drops back and just takes off and breaks your spirit. Can't have those. Third key. It goes hand in hand with what I just said about third and long. The Panthers need to end drives with punts, force punts, get off the field too many times last week. And Phil Snow said this today, those third and nines, third and tens, third and 11s were they moved the, the Browns moved the chains via a Donovan Peoples-Jones reception. Those are killers. You know, DPJ, six catches, 60 yards, uh, had two critical catches, a conversion against Dante Jackson and man, and then uh, he had the catch that moved them across midfield to set up Cade York's 58-yard game winner in a, in a soft zone coverage against Jeremy Chen. You know, you think the blitz is going to get home, and it doesn't. And that's really what th this third down and this, this week's going to come down to. Either Brian Burns needs to get home or Phil Snow's blitzes do. Some's got to get. If it's both, great. But one of those two avenues need to result in quarterback sacks. Brian Burns, six tackles, four hurries against the Browns, no sacks. Phil Snow talked in detail today about how Brian is going to face double teams all year. He's got to find a way to win. And there's ways they can help him, but – Brian's got to capitalize in those moments. And on the rare moments he's one-on-one -on -one in non-obvious passing situations, those second and eights, you know, first down, see what you can do. I'm not saying that as if he's not trying. I'm just saying it needs to happen. I had someone tell me today, Brian Burns is only going to get six sacks. We're going to see. The Panthers blitz on 21% of plays last week. It'll be interesting to see if that number increases, stays the same, decreases. Phil Snow had a good quote about how every blitz call has its own personality. Those were his words. I liked that language, which he's completely right about. Um, you can send the free safety. You can send the nickel corner. You can send a linebacker in the A-gap. There's a zillion different ways to blitz, but you got to get home. Again, we're going to see. Daniel Jones was pressured on 18 of his 26 dropbacks against the Titans last week. There's opportunity for it. Getting off the defense here, my fourth key to a Panthers victory is how they start offensively. I mean, it was some of the first stuff Matt Rule said at the podium last week that they just started too slow. It was obvious for anybody watching. They got to have 
a really positively scripted game plan in that opening drive. Things you know are going to work. That's what was so disappointing about last week is those first two drives are planned. You, it's like you know what to expect. So the chances of points and yardage are just more likely early in the game and late in the game. Late in the game, you're pulling out of the stops. Like a basketball game, everybody's, for lack of a better term, trying harder. The urgency is there, I guess is what I should say. And then in the start of games, it's just, you know, it's, it's predictable. It's script. You should move the ball. We got to see Carolina move the ball Sunday to start the games. It, ha- it has to happen. There's no debating it. Uh, I mean, it, we'll, have, we'll have serious questions if, if, if not. Specifically about Ben McAdoo. Who's coming home to New York where he was a head coach for the first time and, you know, called plays and had Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning. He said he learned a lot there. Uh, he had a great quote that I'm not going to be able to remember, but it was something along the lines of, um, experience elicits an opinion, something like that. Like you learn, you learn from your, your lumps. And the only way to learn in this league. And I think in life is by doing, you need help with an Instagram caption, put your life into action. I don't know who said that first, but I kind of like it. My fifth key to victory, Baker Mayfield versus Giants defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. For anyone who's listening does not know the history of Wink Martindale, he was the Ravens defensive coordinator last year and was the Ravens defensive coordinator for a long time, meaning he's very familiar with Baker Mayfield, who formerly of the Cleveland Browns, of course. That AFC North was a was and still is a very uh, challenging and exciting division where Wink got the best of Baker most of those years. Baker Mayfield has a career record of three and five against Wink Martindale. 13 touchdowns to nine interceptions. But one game I want to focus on specifically is a a 2020 game, Cleveland versus Baltimore, Sunday night football, maybe Thursday night football. I get those night games confused. In Cleveland, like I said, week 14, Baker threw for 343 yards, two touchdowns and one interception, and the Browns lost 47 to 42. Electric game. One of the best football games I've ever been at. And Baker ate the Ravens alive because of – man coverage he is really good at if you're going to play it one thing and one thing only against baker he'll he'll eat you alive he, that's generous well, he, yeah he can he can he, i mean he knows where to go with the football when he knows what he's getting so what does that mean what are, can they expect from wink martindale well talking to baker about it he made it sound like he's ready for a lot of man coverage he added that they added players to their rosters to specifically fit that Wink Martindale scheme. Wink plays a lot of man because he likes to blitz heavy. So again, Baker, knowing it's man coverage, knowing where the blitz is coming, knows where to get the ball out to because you're not changing anything post-snap. He'll throw the hot, his hot read. You blitz on some one side, he'll throw that side. It's you know, you're you're down a man. Baker's really effective against the blitz when he knows where it's coming from. We'll see what the what the Ravens, what the Giants have in store for him. But I'm I'm really excited to see this new chapter in both Baker Mayfield and Wink Martindale's careers and how that materializes on the field. Key number six, and then I'm just gonna get out of here with a few notes for you guys. Um Christian McCaffrey's involvement. 
slash the run game. This Giants defense held Derrick Henry to 21 carries that only garnered 82 yards. That's 3.9 yards per carry. Linebacker Trey Cowder had a light up of Derrick that you don't see often. Kind of clipped him on the side up high and you know, took him off his feet. It's a physical defense. They're going to hit. They're going to rally to the football. Jair Ward, like I said, Trey Crowder, two linebackers that don't come off the field for these two for this team. They're going to be key in Christian McCaffrey. And I think the Panthers would benefit from either running right downhill at them, you know, those same RPOs, duo-style uh, center guard combos, or try and get wide on these guys. Try and beat them to the sideline. I think there's some some screen game that can be unlocked. They're facing a really different back this week, you know, statistically and on merit. If you're playing Madden, Christian and Derek have the same overalls, right? They're freaks, but they're very different football players. That 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 should benefit Carolina. Defensive on the defensive front, you know, it starts with Leonard Williams. They got they're going to have to key him all game, uh, dictate your pass or excuse me your your pass pros to how where he lines up he's you know he's in between a, a, a three tech and a one i i gotta see all 22 before i can really articulate the way that front is going to deploy itself but what i do know is in week one the giants two top pass rushers Kayvon thibodeau and aziz ojalari did not play they're both on track to play week one. Sounds like Kayvon, their rookie, the player picked right before Ike McQuanu this year. Sounds like he will play. Ojolari is more of a question mark. Just getting one of those guys back will be huge for the Giants. More problems for Carolina to worry about. But on that defense, I think the guy you can attack is Aaron Robinson, their number two corner. This could be a, a big DJ Moore game if they're able to get those RPOs that they started scratching the surface on early. Robbie Anderson looks like he'll remain involved. I mean, he played every snap. I don't know what that means for Terrence Marshall. I don't know what it means for Rashard Higgins. Uh, this team needs to have some 12, 13, 14 play drives before we see the, the, you know, the second group of receivers out there. You know, Ian Thomas did was their second leading receiver, I think, with that one catch for 50 yards was about it. I'm still worried about this tight end room. Tight end and linebacker room. Like, you recognize the names, but we need to see it, right? So, yeah, that's really about it. Injury-wise, I, I think the team's healthy. Taylor Moulton's a name to watch. He's been limited the past two days. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. I would not be surprised if this carries on to a game-time decision. He also could be a full participant of our own go. He looked fine in the locker room today, uh, but that doesn't, you know, necessarily always translate to what could happen on the field. So we're kind of operating in some gray area here, uh, but I'm confident that for the most part, the Panthers are are healthy. Christian McCaffrey, not on the injury report, of course. You got a rest day Wednesday, full go today, uh, Thursday when I'm recording this. So he'll be set. And y'all just enjoy this Sunday. Enjoy that we get another one of these. This is a lot of fun, and it's fun for as long as they matter. And this is a game that matters. This podcast was produced by Michaela Holder. My name is Ellis Williams, signing off of the Panthers Tracks podcast. We'll try to get back to you as soon as possible after the game. Once we get our, our staff more in order here at the Charlotte Observer, which I'm excited to share details 
on some hires coming up. Um, this will be a more consistent product. You know, my goal is to have this up uh, after the game or, you know, first thing Monday morning, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. type posts that I think you guys deserve to hear instant reaction from not just myself, but a future co-beat writer and, and columnist Scott Fowler. You guys deserve to hear our instant reactions to these Panther games while they matter. And hopefully for y'all, every game matters. Hopefully this team remains around 500 or maybe goes on a winning streak. You know, who knows what's going to happen. But that's the point. We got to play the games to find out. Each week we get new information. We break it down and deliver it to y'all. That's a long sign off. My name's Ellis Williams. Until next time, take care, y'all.